Give it to me straight. <laughs> so tired. Okay, Brian, give it to me straight. <laughs> I meant to say something else. And then I just, so you just whisk, give it to me straight. <laughs> okay, Brian. <laughs> I just snorted. <laughs> Do you need a tissue? Should I stop it? <laughs> we should not back record. <laughs> This is is Queen Speaking. What's the difference between a boss and a queen? When you're a queen, you're owning every aspect of your life. From work, to money, to relationships, there are no boundaries. You can't pause who you are. The challenge is how to own it. What makes you, you? We're in this together. Let's break out of our comfort zone and learn the tools to rise to our own potential. Hit your goals, then set the bar higher. Ready to join us? Hey, Sid. Hey, Brian. How's it going? It's going really well. How are you? I'm great. (laughs) What's your update this week? Um, I feel like this is a lovely reminder to all of us that we need to hear something a few times before we truly understand or learn the lesson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, I mentioned in last week's update, I got some nice reading done. Mm-hmm. And I feel like all the reading that I've been doing, the books at least, like the physical books that I'm reading, um, which were Radical Candor and uh, Emotional Intelligence, have been like very timely and necessary for the scenarios that I've been placed in recently. Sure, yeah. So I was in a situation recently where my emotions were running high. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was reminded about how valuable it is to react calmly, listen carefully, and speak directly. Those are like should be written in lipstick on my mirror. Yeah, every day. Even though I don't wear lipstick, but maybe in like marker. Yeah. <laughs> Permanent marker right on the wall. Because <laughs> I need that reminder a lot. <laughs> Just like <sighs> rage, rage writing. <laughs> um, but in after the situation, I was like, okay, I need to pick up this emotional te- intelligence book again and just like flip through some of this stuff because it's just in general I had to learn how to feel my feelings mm-hmm. in recent years um, because I used to push them down a lot my god that's what I'm going over in therapy right now yeah it's great it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> um, but the book is a very easy read but it's chock full of great strategies and so in this situation when I get emotional I get like all sorts of foggy and yeah. I have no idea what I'm saying or what the person is saying to me. So when I get stressed, I'm like, oh, I'm fire red. I probably am getting hives and I don't know how to handle the situation because I'm in full panic mode. Yeah. Um, and so I think just in general, some of the tips that I took away from the situation was obviously to like calm down. Breathe. If you're freaking out and know that your emotions are taking the best of you, like slow down and count to 10 Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also really important in these situations to practice active listening for sure which we covered in episode 13 if you want to give it a listen (laughs) again (laughs) Um, but I think being conscious of the people and interactions that you're in um, will help you navigate these types of situations a little bit more easily and thinking about it that it's about other people and how you re- react and respond to them 
rather than what you're thinking and what you know and what you feel. And I feel like that's like not something that's taught a lot or explained clearly until people end up being successful at it and then they're like here's how i'm successful right i pay attention to other people and their feelings and And people are like what yeah like i'm socially aware and i'm (laughs) self-aware and i also use that to my advantage to help have positive interactions with other people and you're like it's like, well, screw you. <laughs> but it's true. And it in, the, in the situation that I was in, I was like, wow, I feel like this is a game changer. And, and you had a handle on it yeah. after that, which I think is, like you said, the biggest game changer is that you no longer feel like your head is in 30 different places. Mm-hmm. You feel like, okay, I can now walk as a person toward this situation and know what I'm doing. Right. Which is huge. And it's probably something that we'll I'll have to run through like maybe two or three more times for mm-hmm. it to really stick sure but in this situation I was like calm and collected and and I think the biggest thing was direct yeah because you don't want to beat around the bush with something especially like I know the situation that you're talking about and that's not one that you wanted to like kind of tiptoe around like you needed to speak directly to get to the point where you were going to feel comfortable about the outcome Mm -hmm. and when you're afraid to do that or you don't feel like you have the tools to do that it's going to make you more frustrated and it's going to create more issues Mm -hmm. versus like coming at it the right way the first time and so that's super powerful yeah And I like that you said, like, Emotional Intelligence um, 2.0 book is an easy read, not just because I like easy reads, but because it makes it approachable to go back to. Mm -hmm. So you see it as a guide and you see it as, like, something that you'll pick up more than once versus, like, a super dense, heavy book that you're just like, oh, I never want to read that again. It was really good, but I don't want to, like, get back into it. But this is something that you can go back to and reference. And I think that is the sign of something that's going to be really helpful over and over and over again. Yeah, and each of the strategies, it's broken down into four categories and then within each category it's like there's like 15 within this the category like social awareness Mm -hmm. so there's and then each one is like here's two pages of how you can start implementing this in your life that's awesome you know i love homework i just need like i need someone to tell me what i need to do and i will go and do it perfect (laughs) very good at taking direction (laughs) so i recommend it that's awesome well i'll be borrowing that book as well as radical candor and i'm glad to hear that you were able to put it into practice so immediately sad that you had to have a tough situation but can't avoid them in life i think positive outcomes for sure you know for sure what about you so I am super excited about a new ebook that I just bought from our friend Mackenzie from Mackenzie's Table. I was, you know, like, again, I think since we started, I've been talking about my cooking struggle. And last week I talked about how I finally, like, felt joy while I cooked. And that was really exciting. Um, But the meal prepping thing has continued to be an issue for me because Mm -hmm. it's like this thing that, like I said last week, like, it's a thing that I liked doing that day and I felt ready and prepared to attack the project and I was excited to do it. Meal prepping, on the other hand, feels like a burden and feels not fun and feels like a thing that I have to do. And that is always my tanking point. But for this ebook, what I love about it is that it's the breakdown of things to stock the pantry with, different recipes for staples, and helpful additions like to your meal prepping. And so it's, and it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, And I think what I'm excited to do is like, so they have, so Mackenzie put together like a number of things that can mix and match. 
And so it's not like you're having the same thing every single day for five days when you're going to work. And I think part of me loves routine. Like there's a part of me that really holds on to my routine, but like at some point my routine totally implodes and it becomes really hard for me to get back on track after that happens. And so with something like this, like to have the staples both in my pantry, but then also like things that are in my fridge that I can quick grab and put together and create different meals from the Mm -hmm. same stuff on a regular basis that keeps things super interesting. Um, and that makes it so my, my routine is to yes, like prep some, some things, but the exciting part is to look forward to creating new things from those staples. Um, and so I'm really excited to dive into this book. Um, I've flipped through it. Well, you know, scrolled through it because it's an ebook. <laughs> scrolled through it a couple times, um, and I'm just I'm excited. I hate the grocery store, and so I'm an I'm an evening grocery store person, like late night. Um, so I'm excited to hit it at like 9 p.m. and get all my stuff and just start getting back on track because it's something I've been talking about and literally have yet to do. So it's going to be awesome. (laughs) I can't wait to see what you put together. Me too. Because I think that's the thing that makes it easy and accessible for a lot of people. And Mackenzie does a really good job with this of making the combos of like, oh, I wouldn't think to like... Ever. You're like, I have all these different vegetables here's a protein, here's a grain, and then you can make a salad. So you have- And it doesn't have to be boring or no. tasteless. Yeah. And I think what I, I've always enjoyed about her is that she has a really um, fresh perspective on healthy eating and doesn't make you like stuff kale in your mouth and call it a day and be like, look, you're healthy. But she's like, these are all things that pack nutrition that you mm-hmm. could be having that- are good for you and they bring different things to the table and they are flavorful and they're fun. And um, I think that's the other thing that I'm looking forward to because, you know, I was like a salad staple and then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden I couldn't even like chew my salad because I was so sick of it. And this hopefully won't happen with all of these fun things that Mackenzie has put together in Table for One. Can't wait to check it out. Soup's excited. Um, So what's inspiring you this week, Bron? So I read an article from TED.com, six tactics to help you turn heated dinner arguments into real conversations. Screw that. (laughs) I feel like I have a theme this week with my inspiration and my update. I would say so, yeah. Um, But this is actually, this obviously is something that probably would have been helpful for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Next year. And we still have the holiday, there's more holidays to come. (laughs) There are, Christmas and Hanukkah are around the corner. Yep. Um, So I obviously was behind on my newsletter reading, so I was catching up post-holiday and stumbled on this one. So save it for the holidays next month, guys. Yeah. Gals. Everyone. (laughs) Everyone. Y'all. You're working on it. I like it. You caught yourself. Um, so if things are getting heated at the dinner table over the holidays, he, there are some good tips in this article. Um, I liked the one that they included about establishing a common reality. Um, because so often we snap to moving in the direction of wanting to win or be right. Mm. Yeah, that just, sounds familiar. I'm just going to like simmer on that for a second. <laughs> um, so instead, using the, this opportunity to find a place of common ground. So this is instead of fighting and pushing and yelling, mm-hmm. asking questions to understand the person who you're debating with, their point of view, and really listening to what they're saying to you. And um, 
They use this example of saying, can we agree that all children deserve good education if you're in this debate about the education system and you and your aunt aren't really jiving? (laughs) Um, But figuring out and using that common ground of like, we agree that this is important to open up the conversation, ask more follow-up questions to say, you know, this isn't about me, it's about you and what are you thinking about and why are you thinking about it this way? Yeah. And the person who's writing the article um, that they they reference is like a debate coach. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's the kind of person that you want on your side in these types of situations. And Absolutely. I feel like it's one of those things because no matter what, there's always going to be something, you know, in a situation in life where you're going to encounter someone that you don't agree with and instead of just like yelling in each other's faces and being like ha ah, because they said that um the more that you butt heads the fat like the the further apart people become yeah and the, the more they hold you or the other person holds tight to their own beliefs and morals and values and all that so if you're coming at it from like let's figure out a, a common ground that we can work from it's like a positive space for you to have a good conversation. Absolutely. I think that's awesome. And I like that it's not the like, hey, I'm just going to like back down on my views on this. Like, let's just Mm -hmm. all get along. It's not asking you to be like the bigger or better person. It's asking you to, like you said, find that common ground. And you can argue that that means you're becoming like the bigger person in this situation. But I would argue like, why is that bad? And I think that if, especially when you're, it's not like you can walk away. I mean, maybe you can, but like, I would think that when you're at the dinner table with either friends or family, there's not a whole lot of opportunity to be like flipping the table and walking away. So if you're forced to be there anyway, and you can't, you can't like where you're going with it isn't going to produce like something positive at that moment, asking that kind of a question is a no brainer. And if it's not for the other person, then I would argue then flip the table and walk away. (laughs) But I like, I like where you're starting from on that, that common reality, because Mm -hmm. like we talk about, like, what is, what is the truth? What is reality? Like getting back to that grounding point and building up from there allows for so much more than just like the screaming match and like you said like when things start to get heated you're like no I'm so right on this Mm -hmm. and it gets even more heated even more quickly yeah so that's a great tactic opportunity for productive conversation I think about a conversation that was had at my Thanksgiving that this would have come very much in handy well now we all need a time machine (laughs) and I can see it happening again (laughs) at the next holiday so you're ready so I'm ready (laughs) And it will come up, and I will use this tactic and report back. Thank you. (laughs) Because I imagine it will be very helpful. Yeah, you should read the whole article because there's five other great things. I will. (laughs) I totally will because, like, I'm the person who will get hot and then flip the table and walk away. So I need this probably more than the other person. (laughs) All right. So that's where we're at. What's inspiring you? This week, I was finally validated when I read a BuzzFeed (laughs) news piece, uh, called Bon Appetit's Test Kitchen Chefs Are the Only YouTube Stars I Care About. I I have not gotten on the YouTube train nearly as much as other people have, mm-hmm. but Bon Appetit's 
YouTube channel is amazing. And Lewis Peetzman, who is the author of this article, talked about how they're not just like tasty videos where it's like hands and bowls Mm -hmm. and like making things. So you're not watching it to learn how to cook. You're watching it for the reason we all want to watch TV, which is to attach yourself to a personality (laughs) that you love and just root for them every single day. Pure entertainment. Pure entertainment. And what I feel validated in is that Lewis doesn't feel like he wants to cook after watching these videos. And I felt like I was on an island with this feeling. Like I watch those videos and they're like, they're some of them are like 10 to 12 minutes long, but I'm like, this doesn't make me want to go out and cook anything. I just want to continue to watch these people bring their personality to the kitchen and be great cooks. And it was just such a fun read, very quick, short read. Um, but all of the chefs in the test kitchen have very distinct personalities. So you've got Carla music, you've got Claire, you've got Brad Leone, you've got Molly Baz, like all of them bring something so dynamic to the kitchen. And one of my favorites is like Claire. She does, um, she recreates like candy and like hostess cakes, but like in a gourmet way. So watching her figure out how to make those things is so fun. And then Carla has a segment where she does like a back to back with a celebrity and she's mm-hmm. walking them through how to make something. And it's just it's just so fun to watch. But I thought what was so awesome about this article was just that like we just watched for entertainment's sake. And he loved like Food Network and and I think that's why I watch certain baking shows, certain cooking shows. It's because I don't feel the need to be a better cook. I know where I live in the cooking world. <laughs> I love watching other people be great at what they do. And that's what this does for me. So this article just validates that feeling. Served it right up for you. Just so awesome. Um, I was just so excited about it. <laughs> what I think is really cool about this, too, is that Bon Appetit is clearly doing new media right Oh my god, a thousand percent. Because probably as a result of that, you're like, maybe I'll subscribe to Bon Appetit magazine. Right. Because now I can read stuff that they write. Because they're all editors or writers as well as chefs. Right. And so I feel like to have that awareness of like the way that we're going to be successful as a media company now is that it's not just, hey, let's write these articles or write these recipes and, you know, hope for the best. Mm -hmm. It's like how do we bring the magazine experience to the behind the scenes or you know showcasing the people that are such an influential part of why the magazine is successful too absolutely out into the public viewing aspect i love it so much it's so and you're right it's like it's it is it that's like the marketing because you're a marketing person that is like the very marketing way to think about what they're doing (laughs) and i appreciate that because you are so right And I just think it's genius what they've done because now when I'm reading what they write, I'm like, oh my gosh, Carla, you're so funny. And like, I know she's funny because I've seen her. You see her like writing it or like doing the thing that she's talking about. Exactly. Exactly. And like, there are some things that I'm like, maybe I'll cook that in like 20 years. But for the most part, this is fully entertainment. And I always just thought like, maybe this isn't for me because I don't want to be the cook, but that's the same thing with Food Network. Like the guy said in the article, like you don't watch Food Network all the time to be a better cook. Like you watch for the personalities that they bring you. Or just to be like, that looks so good. Holiday Baking Championship. 
just crushing it. Like, I'm just impressed by what you're able to create. In, like, 90 minutes, which you said is a fallacy, but that's fine. (laughs) I'm just, I'm going to continue to believe that it's all real. (laughs) No, it's fine. So that's mine, and we'll share that article. And if you are also obsessed with Bon Appetit YouTube channel, then let me know. Because I want to hear about it. Subscribe. (laughs) Subscribe. Okay, Brian, give it to me straight. What are we talking about today? So we want to take the time today to talk about how you can be more present in your life and the advantages that this has in the many scenarios you will find yourself in as we attempt to avoid the busyness paradox. It's a scary one. And it, like, gets, it catches us all at some point. It does. But I think there are a lot of benefits of slowing down, savoring moments, But that all takes a lot of practice for us to get to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that this is especially beneficial this time of year, myself included. Sure. um, Because we often get wrapped up in all the things we, quote, have to do. Oof. That have to and the should Mm -hmm. when you should all over yourself. (laughs) Haven't you heard that before when somebody's like, you're shitting all over yourself? (laughs) It's funny, though. (laughs) It gets me every time. So um, figuring out a way that we can reframe the conversation in our own minds to enjoy where we are and what we're doing and how that's actually good for us Mm -hmm. and turning those negative moments or those negative thoughts into positive, grateful moments and why it's so important for us to be present during what our we're experiencing because it's our life absolutely and i think like like what you said is like slowing down but like in what's interesting is like the way we think about being present is is different for both of us which Mm -hmm. i really appreciate and like you said like during the holidays every year i think this will mean like i get to slow down and like really enjoy the time with friends and family and then all of a sudden like work gets super crazy you're trying to like stick with goals and that becomes like in and of itself this own thing and that like slow down mentality goes out the window so i've now tried to reframe for me excuse me saying like how am i being present now Mm -hmm. because i feel like sometimes slowing down for me feels like it is throwing something out the window that like that I need. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, wait, I needed, I needed that energy. <laughs> like slowing down is like, I need the couch. And so when I think about being present and, and figuring out how to do that, like if work is crazy, how do you be present in crazy mode at work? Yeah. And that, that there's a way to do that. And I think this goes beyond like self-care and realizing when you need a break. And it's, it's more of like how to implement that into our daily practices and not just when we're about to crack. Like, how do we look at our lives and figure out when we're most like heightened or when we're most looking at our future dynamic or thinking about our past? Like when are those moments happening the most often and how do we infuse like that present mentality into those when we're like when we're conditioned to think about the future in them? Precisely. And there's a way to do it. Um, so we're we ready to speak it, Queens. Let's speak it. Ready. Um, I think there are several things, like you were saying, that can really get in the way of us living in that moment, which, like, I will say has a little bit of a cheesy vibe to it. Sure. But I think it's actually important for us to frame it in that way. Yeah. Based on the conversation we're having. Well, and I think it's like everything becomes cliche for a reason, right? It's because it's, like, become very overused and Mm -hmm. it starts to feel cheesy because everybody's talking about it. But the reason everybody's talking about it is because it's important. Yeah. And especially now, um, the things that get in the way 
<laughs> work. <laughs> Stop that. Just general distractions. I think anxiety and fear can take over too. Mm-hmm. Worrying, letting our mind wander too often, um, not having enough money, not having enough time. Yeah. These are all things I've been uh, in the midst of. Lately. <laughs> um, but our brain is hardwired to dwell in the past or to worry about the future. Awesome. Mm. <laughs> so everything's working against us all the time. <laughs> always. So we, we're we always strategizing and preparing for what's next. But if we spend too much time in that headspace, we can actually lose sight of what's happening in our life at that exact time. That's what landed <laughs> me in therapy. <laughs> right there. <laughs> it's like, this up. is all too real. Um, I also read that our bodies can become addicted to rushing. Oh. And I think that this is, I, uh, I'm, uh, my name is Brianna and I'm addicted to rushing. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Brianna. Our minds are like shifting and switching into this autopilot mode with everything at a level 10 Mm -hmm. and high importance Mm -hmm. and everything needs to be accomplished quickly. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like all falsified. In our brains. Yeah, because it's always working against us. <laughs> yeah. As we've learned. It, it's like this contrast of, like, survival mode from the caveman days to, like, what is the this futuristic land that we live in? And our bodies are like, we can't do both. Right, right. Seriously. <laughs> and, like, I think I'll talk about this a little bit later, but, like, around how we are, like, addicted to that feeling. It's our brains that are just – but then we've totally – disconnected from our body at that Mm -hmm. moment when our brain is in overdrive and you're experiencing like that full forward movement you've fully left your body in the dust and like how do we now learn how to reconnect and bring everything back together so we're gonna talk about it right now (laughs) right this moment so we have presently yeah presently (laughs) we have three scenarios that we want to go through and how to practice being more present starting with work hmm Get the worst one out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, my favorite is single tasking. Sure. Doing one thing at a time. Uh, multitasking is actually making us less productive, so stop. I don't know who told us that that would be helpful. Yeah. But it's really not. And especially for women where our brains can actually handle many things at one time. Like we ha- we can load it up. And I think that's what became the problem is like, now we're taking on the mental load of like homework, like everything. Right. And so then we just don't know how to unbury ourselves from it. Sure. And so from a work productivity standpoint, of all the things that helped me reprioritize, this was the one that allowed me to like get my ish in check. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think from that perspective, ironing out what actually are your priorities, I think a lot of times from um, a professional standpoint, we're like, well, uh, I should say yes to this or I'm responsible for this. But it's like, let's go back, like have a conversation with your manager and detail the things that actually are necessary for you to get your job done. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it is just, we, and we've talked about this in past episodes of like clearing your calendar for a day and just looking at everything that you need to get done mm-hmm. and bucketing it into, you know, your roles and responsibilities and what's actually necessary or, like, what are the three things you can get done every day? Right. Start saying no more and do less to get more done. Hmm. It makes so much sense. I mean, it, it really does. It actually works, too. Like, 
it, it's hard. And I think that's what's challenging is that you have to stop right. in order to like shift in the right direction. And I think that's the hardest part about this moment of like, how do I regain consciousness in mm-hmm. th- what I need to be experiencing? Because when you have an endless to-do list, you're just like, well, this has to get done, so I have to do it. And it's like, is it actually important? Well, and that's the thing that I was going to say is that sometimes we put, like, BS stuff on our to-do list because we don't want to do the priority stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. we're like, that's going to be hard, and it's going to take time, and it's going to be uncomfortable, so, like, let me load up the other stuff to get done first. And And then you've kind of done yourself a disservice because instead of spending time on the priority and learning how to get uncomfortable and work through that uncomfort or discomfort... You have just said, like, ooh, look at me checking things off my Mm -hmm. list, but I'm so busy, so I have no time to do the thing that's actually my job. Like, that's a thing that you've then done to yourself, and you can be upset about that, but if you're really being honest with yourself, like, you haven't appropriately ironed out your priorities, the Mm -hmm. things that you have to get done, and the things that might not be fun, and the things that, like, kind of suck. Um, You just, you, you have to be an adult and, like, figure it out, because I've totally been on that and been like I don't want to be an adult today I want to check things off my list that are really easy and then you feel buried very very quickly yeah so don't fill your schedule with fluff nope does not help and with that making sure that you're leaving time in between meetings so that you're not rushing Mm -hmm. this is a huge thing for me um start setting your meetings for 45 minutes instead of an hour so that you have 15 minutes to like regroup mm-hmm. or time for you time to respond to an email write notes from the meeting just because you were in the meeting and you were paying attention to what was happening um but i also think it's important for you to give that time too to like do a little walk around the office if you work in an office environment to like connect with your coworkers as you're making your way back to your you're not like running to the next meeting or running to the next conference call you're able to like you know the meeting ends and you're like thanks Susan see you later Mm -hmm. and then you start walking and you can interact with the people on your way and like get a little uh personal time in which after reading radical candor is important you gotta care personally to build that team up absolutely and you're also not that a-hole that's like all meetings all day like look at me being late to another meeting I'm like I really don't appreciate that because firstly if you're late to my meeting it really upsets me Mm -hmm. and secondly like you should have managed your calendar better because like that is upsetting and frustrating and for anybody that you're meeting with they don't want you to be 10 minutes late so when you schedule a 45 minute meeting you're also allowing for like a run over time mm-hmm. and you're not like sprinting to the next thing and I get it people people that are in different positions have tons of meetings and I'm not saying that you shouldn't have those meetings except sometimes I am but if you are that person that's like sprinting from meeting to meeting because you haven't allowed yourself the respect or time to iron things out appropriately then you are then always behind Mm -hmm. so not only are you not present but you're like did I get everything from that last meeting like are you even are you even present going into your next meeting because you're still like hot on the last meeting yeah and so having that 45 minute window versus the full hour allows not just time for you but allows time for other people that you probably um that probably deserve that respect and time as well so 
that's how I feel. But I also think, like, thinking about if the meeting actually needs to be a meeting. This is like a Seth Godin, like, star yes. power moment where, like, I think slowing down and being present also means capitalizing on your time and how you spend it. Because if you're spending it recklessly and you don't have to, then again, like, you're not doing yourself or anyone else any service toward the project that you're working on, the conversation that you need to have. Like, if you've just convened everybody for a meeting for you to look at each other and be like, so we're all on the same page. That could have been an email. And I'm all for in-person conversations, but I also think part of being present means like really recognizing what you have space and capacity for. And sometimes it doesn't need to pull everybody together and take 45 minutes for a thing that could have been a quick chain email or a Slack channel if you're into the Slack channels. It's fair, fair point there, Sid. A lot can happen in those Slack channels. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. Uh, I think additionally using the conversations that you're having with coworkers as an opportunity to learn. Um, I think to be present in your workspace is to be connecting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this mindset of curiosity keeps you from feeling like you need to be in exit mode. Yeah. And I think this is a huge thing for me too. I was going to say, we've talked about exit mode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so come at each conversation with curiosity and actually listen to the things that people are saying. I think, um, again, if you're giving yourself time, you have the time mm-hmm. to make these conversations meaningful. And so it's not just like you're both running into like into each other on your way to your next meetings right and you know having a quick meaningless high five when you're sitting down whether it's with your teammates or your manager or you know the people that you manage making sure that you're like fully in it and not with like laptops open or pen out like let's close all the things down and Mm -hmm. just have a real conversation absolutely and that was something i was going to say is like taking that time to learn about about your team as well as learn with your team really allows for you to be in that moment with them and take things that they're talking to you about and internalize them and show that you're not just like a number on a floor but you are a person on their team and how you operate together, even if like even if you don't work in an office or even if you don't work even like with a, an organization, like thinking about what that means for you um, and how you stay present in something like that is is super important. I think another thing that comes into play with work stuff that can be challenging is when you have to do something you've never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, if you're in rush mode, you're like, oh, I don't know. You just let me figure this out. Mm-hmm. I feel like when I'm rushing, I'm just always screaming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> um, but taking the time to learn something new and kind of embrace that childlike mentality again, um, accepting that you won't be good at it right away. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you didn't, as a child, get up and walk for the first time like a boss i sure did or run like get up and just run (laughs) you had to practice Mm -hmm. and because you're doing something for the first time it's a new way for you to like slow down and accept the fact that you're not actually good at something and i think that's really hard for adults super hard because we feel like the learning process is lagging or we're behind if we don't know how to do something. But if you reframe it and put your attention into something that you've never done before, 
you'll be immersed in this experience and actually enjoying it and feeling fulfilled by it and realizing like, oh, I'm stretching myself outside, you know, my comfort zone or, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't dread this because I'm enjoying this process of figuring this out and kind of thinking about it with like a little bit of a tinker versus a let's go, 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 go. Full bore, right. And I think, again, like talking about the team mentality, if you like have the ability or you get to work in an office with a team I think when the person who runs that office or that team or your boss or whoever it is when they set the precedent that we are a team that learns new things and we either do it together or we do it on our own that allows you to really understand that 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 is a priority for your organization for you to constantly be learning something new or at least every so often be learning something new that allows you to slow down and allows you to be brand new at something. And if someone is setting that precedent for you, it takes the weight off of your plate of saying like, well, this is a thing I want to do, but I don't know if it's really a thing that they want me to do. Mm -hmm. So if you're in the position where you get to make that call, like make that call because like you said, that's a really exciting thing to have to go through the learning process again. And if you can see how it is frustrating for people and how you as the boss or as the team member that organized it can alleviate that in some way, you're then again meeting that person where they are Mm -hmm. and taking time to get to know them better and understanding where they get frustrated and you're living right in that moment with them. And that wouldn't have happened if you were just kind of going through the motions of doing things that you do every day and didn't have to take the time to do something new. So I like that idea a lot for the individual and for the team mentality. I agree. Um, One of the things that I think about when it comes to work and being present is my routine Mm -hmm. and thinking about like my morning routine, my afternoon routine and my, my after work routine. Um, And I think when you are jumping right into things in the morning or like, have you taken the time to figure out what might work best for that day? I think sometimes our routine becomes a mask for, um, I don't know if it's like, frustration or going through the motions or any of those things like even if you're going through the motions like yes you're doing it but you're already thinking like five steps ahead because you're like this is the thing I do every day so let me just power through it and get to the next mm-hmm. thing and I'm not saying like switch it all up every single day but really like if there's something that brings you joy in the morning when you get to your office or sit at your desk or stand at your desk whoever you are um like, are you really in that moment? Like, are you, I, I know that like for me, I read my newsletters every morning as I drink my coffee and that brings me so much joy. And that's a thing that I generally don't compromise on because firstly, I hate a super early morning meeting, but secondly, like that allows me to start my day in the right mental place where mm-hmm. I know like I'm at work now and I'm starting my day now. And inadvertently, that does slow you down, but it also keeps you very present. So you've done the thing that gets you in the right headspace, and then you continue to take a next step. So I think in that, one of the things I've been reading a lot more recently that I love Mm -hmm. is the idea of blocking two hours of your day for think time. Yeah. Or just like, this will be whatever it is. Um, because I think so much of what we do is let's check this off the list. Let's go. Let's do the next thing. Let's work. Like I think about my day today and I worked a full, I worked 
every single minute of the eight hours that I worked today. <laughs> Not good, bro. Not good. <laughs> and while it, I, yes, was productive, part of that is like, I didn't really give myself a chance to breathe. Mm-hmm. And I think including moments of that, like this is blocked time and treating it like you do with other meetings, like this is a meeting for you. Mm-hmm. And that's just as important as meetings with other people because Absolutely. especially as we kind of advance in our careers, this may not necessarily be something that's, you know, timely as an entry level person. But then again, I remember when I was entry level and I had all this free time. Now yeah. I'm like, ah <laughs> <laughs> What is free time? What do I do? <laughs> um so I think making it a point to yourself to block an hour, mm-hmm. two hours, even if it's just maybe twice a week, starting with once a week, yeah. just to see how it feels. Because I think the opportunity that you take for yourself to say, this is my time to read my newsletters, that's also creatively inspiring you and helping you do your work better. Mm-hmm. So it does still count as productive work time, even though it's not like, I sold blah, 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 and right. like checked that off, the, like let's hit the gong. Yeah. Not that that's what you actually do, but um, I think about... Some people do. <laughs> yeah, I think about how in the work that we do, and especially if you need to have mental capacity to be creative, that's something that's vital. Absolutely. And again, if you're in a position to say that out loud to the people that you work with and have it be an effective tool for them and give permission where they may feel like there isn't any, then that's no one's going to just assume that's a thing that they can do if they're like a competent worker yeah I feel like I needed someone to give me the thumbs up on stuff like that yeah before I was like oh what absolutely absolutely (laughs) and and I think that's the responsibility of of that person in charge or of like who's in charge of that team Um, or again if you work for yourself to give yourself permission yeah to take that time because although you did work every minute of the eight hour day like you're exhausted and Mm -hmm. like how does that for tomorrow like I'm sure you have something different planned to say, like, let me give myself a minute to, like, be creative and figure out how to re-inspire myself to get back at it. Yeah. So that's good. It's true. You kind of have to work in waves a little bit. Yeah. Because there's always going to be days where, like, that's your day. But how do you... Don't let that be every day. Exactly. Exactly. So how are we trying and attempting and learning how to be present in our relationships? Put your phone down. Firstly... That is the most important That's one. That's it. <laughs> that literally, end of segment, it's over. That's the only thing you need to know. Uh, it's so important. And I have been the culprit in this situation. I never have. <laughs> You're actually really good at it. I really like having my phone down. I, I find it very helpful for me in my brain. <laughs> Although when you're trying to find you in an event and your phone is away... Yeah, that's that's not great. Not as helpful, huh? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think putting your phone down is number one in terms of being present in your relationship because you're paying attention to each other. Yep. Do it. Make it a thing. My friend has a jail for their phones because they both work in social media. and (laughs) That's awesome. They they use it. They actually put their phones in it and an alarm will go off if someone tries to get it. (gasps) I need that. (laughs) And I think, again, thinking about boundaries really comes into play here of like, I'm with my family. I'm with my partner. This is my time to be with my people. And this is not time for you. Yeah. Yeah. Meaning 
work. Yes. Or social distractions. Media. Yeah. Or social media or mindless scrolls or something that's distracting. Yes. Totally agree. Put it away. Just put it in the jail. And then after you put your phone away, listen more and ask questions. Mm-hmm. I think this will help you be a better partner, a better sister, mother, friend, what have you. Totally agree. I think even with the people that you're closest with and know and love the most, there's still so much to learn. And by asking, like, not just like, you know, I got this page of 50 questions off the internet. I'm just going to rattle them off at you. Like, no, like think about why you love them so much or what is interesting about them that you could learn more about. And I don't think that's weird. I think that's really special. And it gives you a chance to get even closer to that person and show them that you don't just care and love for them, like face value, but also like have a real desire to learn more about them. Even like I think about my parents and how much I still want to ask them about their own lives Mm -hmm. and how that isn't just going to come up at any point. Like it needs, the questions need to be asked. Um, And I'm sure there's a lot of people like that in your life that you might not not consider it like they're not going to just share stuff you have to be the person that is the catalyst for that conversation yeah and I think if we are distracted by things it's hard for us to know what questions to ask in those types of situations yeah so thinking about you know leaving that space open for you to be like oh I didn't realize I didn't know this about mom yeah and being able to ask those questions schedule a little coffee date learn I think also you need to remove the sense of urgency for non-urgent things. I thought this was awesome. I really liked this tip from Forbes about considering and verbalizing what you're saying no to. For everything that we say yes to, we're saying no to something else. Which is a hard thing to think about. Yeah. Um, a good example is I'm saying no to dinner with my boyfriend so I can respond to this non-urgent email. <laughs> Um, It makes it really obvious when you're choosing the distraction or work or whatever over being present with the important people in your life. Calling it out is like the big thing. Bottom line, it can wait. And when you hear it out loud, you're like, wow, this is stupid. such a jerk. (laughs) But like I wish more people would do that because like it is so much more powerful when it's verbalized. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the moment and you're just doing it, it doesn't feel that aggressive or that serious but when you say it out loud that's exactly what you're doing yeah and so hopefully like verbalizing it does kind of hit a little harder than just saying like hey can you get off your phone please like having them say what they're saying no to at that moment is like internalizing all of it too yeah and I think this is kind of like we're gonna hop back into work for a second because Mm -hmm. work will often take relationship time away right um but thinking about not apologizing when you when there's any type of delay to a response that you're sending. Right. So in that situation where you're like, it's time for me to go to dinner with my boyfriend, I'm shutting my email down. I'm shutting my computer down. It's, it's, the laptop is closed. We're done here. Right. Um, and then the next morning, like that person probably emailed you at 3 p.m. And you were like, let me get this out before 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning being like, I'm so sorry for the delay. Like they're going to assume that you wanted to get to them earlier. Stop apologizing. And like setting that precedent for being the person that responds instantly. Firstly, don't do we it. don't like those people because <laughs> it's annoying. And I agree that like that over apologizing is the thing that we have an issue with that we need to work on. And there's a ton of other things that you could respond with that don't begin with I'm sorry. Yeah. Again, if it's non urgent, three days, people. 
I, I'm just saying, and I'm the first person to be like, well, it's been a whole day, so now I'm worried. If it's been an hour, I'm like, I'm not worried, but it's been a whole day. And that's like a mentality that I've internalized for myself. Yeah. And that I think is false. And it's because we continue to rush and rush and rush and rush. But if you're being present, and again, like flipping back to work for a second, if you're being present in that moment and you're recognizing like, is the email the thing that's on my present list right now? Mm-hmm. Or no, am I using this time for creative energy? Or am I using this time to meet with someone who's important to me? Um, you don't have to respond to that email because it's not the thing that's right in front of you at that moment. Yeah, I think setting boundaries when it comes to your relationships is really important. Um, I had a friend who was like, I don't take phone calls after 4.30 because after 4.30, this is my time to be with my husband. Yeah. And that's a boundary that she had to place. And once you verbalize these things, if you say this is like, this happened because of this and are honest about what's going on in your life, people are very understanding of that. Absolutely. Um, And I think they're willing to, you know, be flexible with you. And I think when you create those boundaries with your relationships first and yourself first, then you're always going to win. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think trying something new together is really a fun way to be present together. Yes. Um, I think thinking about it from like, it's a new restaurant in your neighborhood or doing a new activity together you in that moment are creating memories together Mm -hmm. and that's an important distraction free time for you to build and grow your relationship right and think about like what you can ask them in that time period of learning something new together that gets you a little bit closer to them and speaking of like time that you're spending together I had and I think I may have talked about this in a different episode but like when you segment time to talk about tough things like when you have when you're thinking about conversations that you need to have thinking about them so much that like you're I'm trying to think of the best way to say this when you're thinking about them like in the future tense like Mm -hmm. you're like I really need to have this conversation with this person like I should just I'm just gonna bring it up right now like instead of planning when to have that conversation I think that still like lives in that present mode is because you're like acknowledging that it shouldn't happen right this minute and you're saying like there's an appropriate time to have this and it's just not right now and maybe saying hey like you know maybe tomorrow or this weekend I'd really like to talk to you about this thing um, and I'd like us both to take some time to figure out what we'd like to talk about around it Mm -hmm. and I think like in that moment you are slowing down and you're not getting so ahead of yourself and just blurting it out without firstly giving the other person a chance to like prepare themselves for it but also preparing for it yourself yeah I think it's an opportunity for you to also think through your emotions which both of us said earlier that we get a little overwhelmed by them sometimes. So understanding why you're feeling a certain way and if it is worth saying the thing that you want to say because sometimes it's like, oops, I'm overreacting and that was unnecessary. Exactly. And think about like how much that throws off like the place that you're in. And like, and and on the flip side of it, if you are having, like if you're out trying something new together and doing something great, but then you're like, ooh, I just thought of this thing that I want to talk about right this minute. Like, you've kind of just taken yourself right out of the present mm-hmm. moment of enjoying the space together. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've done that. Or I'm like, ooh, we're together, and this is a great time to talk about this thing. Instead of being like, we were just playing catch for an hour, and it was really awesome. And I just took us right out of that moment to have, like, a heavy conversation that didn't need to happen right at that moment. 
that's a true story. <laughs> Lessons. Lessons learned. Um, I think like intentionally checking in and sharing about your day is another way to like become in tune. And again, like this isn't like the heavy conversation type of thing, but just like putting your phone down, like we talked about, and actually checking in about your specific day, Mm -hmm. not just like asking questions. And those things are all great. But I realized recently that like, I don't necessarily ask about Doug's day as much as I should, because I think I always thought he didn't want to talk about it. And that was something that was we've been together for almost five years and I think that may have been the reality five years ago but you recognize that things change (laughs) and that maybe having those check-ins about like how their day is going and what's changed in the work that they do and the relationships that they're building like those are things that keep you very much in tune with either your partner in your relationship or even like your sibling and what they do for work and Mm -hmm. how you might have an assumption about what they do, but not having the moment to really like sit with them and say like, Hey, like, how was your day today? Like, what did you get into today? And sitting with that moment and really like swirling around in, in that present that they deserve to have talked about. Um, And that was like kind of a reality check for me too. I like that. And I feel like I also, I'm the opposite. Dan's very good about being like, how's your day? And sometimes I'm like, when I feel stressed, I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk about it. Why are you asking me this? And he's like, I'm Leave me alone. He's like, I'm literally, I'm at, you could just say like, everything's fine. <laughs> yes. And that's the other thing is like to respect that boundary, right? It's just like, like, he's really good about asking about it. And you can just say like, it was fine, you know, let's talk about your day. Or, like, it was kind of tough, so I'd rather not talk about it. Yeah, or, like, I need 30 minutes before, because I'm a buffer person. Like, I need to come down from my day. And a lot of times that's, like, let's have a drink (laughs) before I can talk (laughs) about it. That's how my day went. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's start here and just talk about fun things before we get into it. Absolutely. Yeah, relationships, I think, are that thing where it – can become it's it seems very easy to be present in your relationship but as you get much more comfortable with someone it's almost like you're always thinking about the next thing that needs to get done mm-hmm. versus having that intentional check-in getting off your phone you're so comfortable with each other. they're not going to care if I'm on my phone right. for a little while like that comfort is awesome and amazing and I would not trade it for the world but that comfort also can breed like we're just so comfortable. We don't need to check in. Mm-hmm. Or we're so comfortable. Like, I'm just going to hang out for a while and not ask them how they're doing. And that can, like, that perpetuates very quickly, I think. Um, and so we need to to remember that being present in our relationships just as much as in other areas of our lives is so important. And it yeah. keeps us in tune with each other. Yeah. And that's where the quote work comes in. Yes. But it's not actually hard. It's just being conscientious. See, I I would argue that it is it is hard, but it's not hard in the way that you avoid it. It's hard in the way that you're like, I want to do this work with you because I love you, right? And I want to I want to be here with you. And so it's like some days it is hard, <laughs> but it's like the good work that you want to be doing. So, what about during a stressful time? Well, <laughs> let's end it on a high note. Yeah, I think. It- it's really common for people to be like, oh, being in the present, being in the moment. This means that I have to be a meditation expert mm-hmm. in order to recenter myself or like figure out a breathing exercise to do. 
but that's not actually true. True. Um, one thing that you can do is to bring your mind back to something simple, like a glass of water on your desk, hmm. when you can feel your mind wandering or feeling stressed of like, okay, I'm definitely in this mode of like my brain is 10 steps of where ahead of where it needs to be. Um, and I think that that's an important thing too of just like, where am I and, and what's actually happening? Like I'm in my office, I am feeling this way. Right. Like calling it out. Calling it out and being like, here's what's happening. Um, I think for me, this comes into play a little bit more when I'm feeling stressed or overwhelmed. It actually happened last night where you're like, ah, there's so many things in my head and there's no timestamp on it. Right. And so everything feels overwhelming. Like a 10. And so my in, when my brain gets into that mode, it often happens at bedtime, which will lead to insomnia. So don't do that, peeps. Um, is to switch my phone on because I'm more of like a phone note-taking person mm-hmm. versus a notebook person by the bed. So I'll just open up the net calendar for the next day and for 9 a.m. I put in to do and then just all the things that I have running in my head and then that next morning it's and then it's gone and And then then I don't feel stressed anymore exactly because it's removed from my brain and so I think in that space too of thinking about what is an action that you can take to make yourself calm and be back to like here's right now and not here's where my brain is yes Absolutely. It, and it's so, it, it is, it's a game changer when you're able to do that too. It's a, it's a good thing to be able to get back to. Yeah. Um, I think uh, another thing that comes up is being able to ask yourself questions to find the root of the worrying. Um, am I unhappy? Am I frustrated? Then dig into why you're feeling that way and figure out a solution yeah. or just feel the feelings that you're feeling. I love that because I think sometimes we don't want to admit when we're feeling that those those ways and by like verbalizing them you are coming to terms with them and mm-hmm. and again like being present with that feeling and either feeling it or finding a solution to it like it's not fun to say am I unhappy and have the answer be yes but at least it's then there and it's or, in front of you. Am I happy and then if the answer is no. Right. What are we dealing with here? That's a big one. That's a big one. <laughs> the am I frustrated feels a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> but like still to be able to say it and then f- feel it in that moment and then answer the question is is very helpful, I would imagine. Yeah. And I think it helps with your self-awareness in that sense too. Absolutely. Um, one of the other things, this is like more of a big picture, but being sure that you're aligned with what you actually want out of your life Um, Because, again, if you're rushing and you're just doing things because you need to do them um, or have to, like we were saying before, um, taking a minute to pause and ask yourself another question of what does my ideal life look like? What does it feel like? Am I acting in alignment with that? That is huge, but so important. Mm -hmm. Because until you take a moment to stop a speeding train, you will continue to speed until you burn the F out. And that won't produce anything good either. Like, you think the answers to those questions might be scary. Think about what would happen if you never answered them. 
And and those that right there is the reason to remain present Mm -hmm. and check in with yourself. Yeah. I think another one that comes into play from a stress mindset and being present is just reminding yourself that acceptance is important. Yes. (laughs) Um, Focusing on the facts and understanding that you can't change what's already happened, you also can't predict the future. So accept things as they are and know here's what I'm dealing with right now mm-hmm. in this moment. Mm-hmm. And here's like, I think a lot of times people, if something bad happens, they're like, how do I fix this situation? Or how do I defend it? Or how do, I'm in denial of this. Sure. Um, and flipping the switch to this happened. There's mm-hmm. nothing we can do about it. Or like there was a mistake that was made. I can apologize and move forward and figure out a solution. Mm-hmm. With that clear mindset, you'll feel obviously less overwhelmed. Yeah. Like living in the space of, I can handle what's in front of me. Absolutely. And I think that goes back to what we've both experienced between anxiety and panic is that like you're either trying to compartmentalize and figure out how to never make that, either if you've made a mistake or you've done something that you think is not right, you're always going to be trying to correct that. And by doing that, you've taken away the option to feel anything else going forward all you're thinking about is how to avoid 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 and that's anxiety that is where it comes from is not being able to fully feel in the moment that you're feeling and so I think one of the things in times of stress that helps you remain present is to reconnect to your body and this is something that I've been learning a lot about where like your brain has totally disassociated from your body at this mm-hmm. point like you are either a thousand steps ahead or a thousand steps behind or you're you're so so in the moment that you can't pull yourself out of it in a scary way and by doing things that help you reconnect with your body it slows your heart rate back down. It brings you back to feeling like, okay, I have control again because my mind and my body are working together again. So if you go outside, like feel wind on your face or splash some water on your face or do something that's going to help you get out of your head, like something that feels opposite for what you feel like you should do. So like if you're like, let me push through this, like don't push through it. Mm-hmm. Find a way to reconnect to your your body in that way Um, and that will at least in those times of stress help you pull out of it to see what you need in that moment but first the first thing you need to do is remember that your body exists Mm -hmm. and I like the uh, hand on your heart or chest and your the other hand on your stomach and deep breathing mm-hmm. because then you can actually feel yourself breathing exactly you're like oh i'm a human yes exactly <laughs> exactly when you're so in it and this is again like when you're thinking about those times of stress like you're so in it in either again the future past or like intense present then you you're like i'm not anything but my brain right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's terrifying so once you remember that you are a breathing person that needs to continue to breathe then it slows everything back down and then you can take a step to figure out what to do in this present moment to come back down and I agree with you around like how you get it out of your brain by like sending yourself a note or putting it on your calendar for the following day like I need to journal if it's a stressful moment mm-hmm. like I need to just release all and there was one day where I just like streamlined wrote for like three pages because and I didn't even know what I said until I went back and read it because whatever was happening in that moment just needed to come out of my being and it came out through my fingers <laughs> it's really it's kind of surprising how well that works it really is 
It really is. It's, it's almost scary. Yeah, especially <laughs> considering uh, it just because like there have been times where we talk about stuff like this and it's like, oh, that was nice that one time. Mm-hmm. But it's like for me, that stressful moment happened literally last night. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, there's so many things in my head and I can't sleep. And the second that I wrote it down and made it a thing to deal with tomorrow and not while I was trying to go to bed. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) It's like it literally is really because I think your brain just keeps ruminating because it doesn't want to forget it. Because it's like, oh, I know that this is important. I don't know where to put it right now. So I'm just going to keep thinking about (laughs) it until it goes away. Right. And then you're like, wait a minute, I can't sleep and I haven't slept for hours. (laughs) How did that happen? Yeah, that's always, like you, that's one of my go-tos every single time. And it has worked every single time. Mm -hmm. At least to, like, begin to move forward. Yeah. (laughs) At least to, like, take a step in a direction instead of being, like, frozen to the thoughts that are happening. And I think it used to feel like it was a disruption. Yes. Like, oh, I'm going to turn my light on and write something down. Or I'm going to open my phone and it's going to be bright. And then I'm not going to be able to sleep because I opened my phone. (laughs) Anxiety. (laughs) At work. (laughs) And when you just accept the fact, like, I need to get this out of my head right now or else I will never sleep again. It's all better. It's all better. It just, is. Just know that to be the truth of get it out of your head and be present in your body and then do a nice little deep breathing exercise and you'll fall right to sleep like a little baby. It's true though, because then you've released all of it and mm-hmm. you've remembered that you're human and then you can go to sleep soundly. Yeah. Hopefully. And so now that we've all calmed down. Yes, I feel very calm. And really, like, talking about these three major components of our lives, between, like, our relationships, our work environment, and the people that we work with, as well as times of stressful situations, when we can remember how to be present, that being present does benefit us, and always thinking ahead doesn't always benefit us, I think we can begin to work on how to pare down and remember that those things are important and how we use all of these different tools to work on them on a continuous basis. Yes. It's awesome. Shall we break? Let's break. Feeling like a queen yet? Find us on Instagram and Twitter at queen underscore speaking and tell us all about it. Find episode links and show notes at queenspeaking.com. See you next week.